0: Welcome back to phil in exile hello to all you good people out there um just the good people though not the bad people uh you shouldn't be listening i'd prefer it if you just clicked off and went no you say phil but you said in the first episode that um human nature is broken and we're all technically bad okay you can stay but be nice play nice with the other kids in the playground that's all i ask just just be nice um, isn't that really what it comes down to? Just try not to be a jerk. Like I feel like so much of uh, just don't try not to be a jerk. It's pretty pretty straightforward advice. Anyhow, <clears throat> I was I was uh thinking this morning uh, about Christmas time being here. Uh, I I it's you know obviously it's that t- it's that time of year. Christmas time is here. I'm not a singer. Could you, could you catch that? Did you catch that? Um. So I, I I I got up this morning and my um, Facebook. Don't give me don't give me a hard time about Facebook. I'm old. What do you want? Like anyhow, you know how it gives you these uh, little little uh, you know from your feed X number of years ago. So it said from your timeline 15 years ago. Now that alone was staggering. 15 years we've been in that um, giant portal of misinformation and and uh wrath called Facebook but um and food pics don't forget the food pics but i it said from 15 years ago and that would have been right about when i started um i had students who were like mr b you ought to get on this thing called facebook we can be friends and i was like what is it um anyhow uh the i i found a picture the 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 post that facebook gave me was this little 10 second video, really grainy, old, you know, equipment of my my kids, twins uh, at four saying Christmas time is here. Christmas is here. Yay, Christmas. And I was, you know, it was cute. They were four. They were adorable. I mean, they're adorable to me. And I saw that and I just got so like a, such a wave of nostalgia just just washed over me. I got, like, so sort of misty, like, oh, my kids. See, I'm not, my kids aren't here with us for the first time in the lead up to Christmas. I'll see them soon, but, like, we've been kind of delaying the Christmas decorating to some degree and things like that because we're like, we want to do that with the kids because we've always done it with the kids. And, like, seeing my kids when they were little, then I'm like, oh, the passage of time is such a beating and oh where does the time go and i have i remember when they were so you know you're having all these feelings i was having many feelings simultaneously all very sort of mushy and again nostalgic and soft and sweet and the, just a dash of melancholy like i like to put in everything just just a hint and um and my wife then texts me and and is she says oh you should see this oxford's put out its word of the year time I'm a, I'm a word nerd. I love I love me some words. And Oxford put out the word of the year. And the word of the year this year is Riz. That's right. And then yet another sign of the coming apocalypse, the word of the year from the Oxford English Dictionary is Riz, R-I-Z-Z. If you don't know this word, well, A, if you don't know this word, I know how old you are um, and good for you. Uh, but riz is a, a, a I was going to say a derivative of, a, how about a, a deviation or a bastardization even of, of the word charisma. And uh, it is like so many other uh, Frankensteined words used in many formats, nouns, verbs, willy-nilly. Like uh, they they might say about me, he's got no riz. Um, that would be a common refrain, Um Oh, or he really rizzed them up or rizzed her up. That means you were like very sort of alluring, persuasive, you know, you really, really caught their attention. You rizzed, you you have riz. So that's the word of the year. And apparently it was neck and neck with Swifty. So I don't know which one would have made me die more inside, Riz or Swifty. Um, but yeah, uh I I I I I went, well, the reason I say that is I went from this feeling of, of like, sort of bittersweet nostalgia to just feeling cranky and curmudgeon And then it hit me that that's really become, th- those have become my two modes, mostly. I'd say about a good 87% of my life now is spent somewhere oscillating between, uh, like, nostalgia and and y So, that was um, that was sort of uh, uh, very telling, I think, uh, about my personality. But you know, you play with the cards you've been dealt. So, but in keeping with the uh, curmudgeon-y vibe, uh, I I I had we had dinner with our our neighbors slash landlords this weekend, um, and uh, it, it was delightful. They are just lovely people uh, we really enjoy spending time with them. You know, I mean, I know they're our landlords, but we they're really they're really sweet and kind uh, much older than us. um but uh we had had them over to our house for dinner about I don't know a month ago, something like that and and here's the thing, so when we invited them to dinner. Uh, we said, you know, when you when what's a good night, when should we do this? What time? We were trying to sort of defer to them and they picked a Wednesday night at seven. Now, the reason I tell you about the first dinner before I tell you about the second one is I, my wife and I being teachers, uh, we have, we go to bed early and get up early. Um, that's the way it goes. So we're, we're typically in bed at nine. That's, that's pretty normal for us. Nine, nine 30, is late night. Because we're up at five or five thirty, you got to feed the dog, walk the dog, you know, got to both, got to shower, get dressed, have some breakfast, do the whole thing, get out the door by seven to get to school on time. And even though I'm not, I'm not at a school this year, I, I still, you know, force a habit. Get up with my wife, and I, I, I like to drive her to work, and it's, it's nice to have that option. But we go to bed early, man. And I know that that people might say, oh, you know, that's that's a little lame, but we're just trying to get the eight hours. Because they say you need the sleep. I value sleep. And already it's hard for me to fall asleep because I can't turn my brain off. But sleep's important. And just as a pause, hey, you kids out there, Uncle Phil is concerned about your health and well-being when it comes to sleep. You need to get more rest. I'm not I'm not angry. I'm not, I'm not upset. I'm just telling you, I worry. I worry. I taught teenagers for so many years. Man, nobody got sleep. And I know I was young once too. I know I also didn't sleep like I probably should have, but man, sleep, it's good for you. Anyhow, a regular sleep routine, they say, is significant. So my wife and I were pretty good about like we start winding it down, you know, turn off the screens, kind of have a, a nighttime ritual. I go get the coffee ready for the morning, you know, we lock all the doors and, you know, get everything ready for our 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 pre-bed, you know, time to get get in there and get to sleep. So when they said dinner at seven o'clock, we thought, okay, that's later than we usually eat, but that's okay because you know seven to nine, whatever. That's all good. So we, we, we have them over to dinner at our house and we're, you know, enjoying dinner and we kind of finish the main dinner. And then we're like, well, would you like to move into the, the living room and sit down on the comfy chairs and have an espresso? And we were listening to jazz, the, 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 the husband, he's he and I share a, a deep love for uh, for 1950s jazz, and so we were listening to jazz, and we were talking about Germany and and all sorts of interesting things. And and then I'm noticing like it's we're to nine, we're nine thirty, and we're finally I'm just like, hey, we gotta go to bed because we get up in the morning. And you could tell they were kind of shocked. They were like, oh, okay, like nine seven to nine thirty, that's a shorty. Didn't seem like a shorty to me, but they were kind of like, oh, okay. And they said, well, all right. Well, you know, we'd love to have you over sometime. And I said, sure, 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 sure. Genau. <laughs> that's, that's, that's German for sort of, for sure. Um, but um, anyhow, they called last week and they said, hey, do you want to come over for dinner Saturday? And she specifically said, we're going to do it on Saturday. So hopefully you can stay awake past nine. <laughs> I was I was like, is she being a little saucy with me? She's funny. They they are funny people. They both have a great sense of humor. Um, kind of a sly wit. But she was, she kind of called me out on my early bedtime. Now, I say this because she's she's 89 years old. And she was like, I, I hope you can stay awake past nine, old man. And I was like, Okay, okay, all right, I see you. So I go over and I'm thinking, "Silly me, I'm thinking, "Oh, well, we'll stay up till 10, 10: 30." That evening was almost five hours. Five uh, It was 11:45, we said, "We got to go to bed." We got there at seven. It, now here's again, we were having a delightful time. This is not a complaint. I'm just realizing how lame I am. I mean I know most of you knew that and I had my suspicions about myself but but I it was really driven home that I am a lame o I am boring and I uh, like like you got to understand this, they had a four course meal when we got there, there were drinks associated with every course. And when we said, we got to go, they were like, but we still have half a bottle of wine left. And that wasn't the first bottle. Nobody was soused. We were, it was many hours and it was very, very um, conservative. But I, I'm just telling you, they they were like, they, I need to get in training because this was like a marathon. Just the way you'd train for a run. I'm never going to train for a run, probably. But I need to train for a European dinner because it was many hours, many courses, many glasses, much conversation. Again, all delightful. But I just kind of realized it was like, whew, "I am. I need to like. I need to get in a program that like gets me conditioned for a five-hour dinner." Because I'm up for it. I got to tell you, I, I enjoyed it. I, I, I had a good time. I just realized, whew, man, I got to like. I got to think differently about this. This is going to be a long night. So, so I, I, uh, I, my, my curmudgeon streak continues in the fact that, uh, grandpa needed to go to bed, uh, earlier than his, his, his landlords. Like I got shown up by, I got shown up by an 89 year old lady. She wanted to stay up partying longer than I did, which, um, you know, I, that's impressive. I, I'm impressed. So that, that's, that's the 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 news of the week uh you know we're 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 getting ready for the end of the semester and our kids are gonna come in and christmas and it's just the christmas markets are great went to yet another christmas market in zarbrücken uh just down the road did my voice just crank when i said Zabrucken? am i having puberty yet again man it's pathetic um I, I, we went down the road to zarbrücken and um and and there because it's so close to the french border i was uh i was incomprehensible in two languages cuz i i didn't know if i was talking to somebody you know i was having to remember do i say you know in which is you know i'm sorry sort of in german or uh, pardon you know it kind of depended i had to kind of just be aware i'm i'm going to just let you all down really i'm just going to let you all down i apologize so um anyhow we uh we had a we had a good good weekend uh christmas market dinner with the german neighbors good times hey forgive me for the interruption here uh normally i do these things in one take but somebody was banging on the door and uh, i thought they'd go away but they didn't they were persistent so uh, eventually i had to stop the recording and go address that and then come back so if there seems like there's a little gap in continuity here um that's what that was forgive me Again, normally like to do one take, but they would just not stop banging at the door. Anyhow, now on with the show. I think I was talking about being a curmudgeon, but I want to I want to I shift gears and tell you that I I had a bit of an epiphany this weekend about my this very podcast. I had kind of a a, a moment of of breakthrough. I think maybe the third time's the charm here. But I had some people respond to me, which was extremely Gracious that they would take the time, and they replied to me, and they they said, "Hey, I I listened to the podcast. Here are some thoughts," and and they were they basically extended the conversation. They'd taken the the topic that I'd brought up, and they'd kind of gone somewhere with it. In one case, I got an email from somebody saying, "Hey, I talked to a friend of mine, and we talked about this, and here are some thoughts. I'm forwarding to you um, some some comments we had." And and what it was was they'd gone so much further in the conversation, and. And and the and the the comments sort of also suggested, hey, you know, you you didn't you didn't mention this. What if you had explored this? And I had somebody say, well, you know, you kind of moved quickly past this. I wonder if you could go back and talk about this. And and here's the thing, I when I first got the idea for this, I sat down and recorded a bunch of podcasts uh, or a, a bunch of episodes that will never never see the light of day because they were so long and tedious and laborious and boring and technical. You may think this is long and tedious and boring and but, but it was these were really bad because I went into them saying, all right, if I'm going to talk about this topic, then I have to cover it thoroughly from A to Z. And I have to make sure I I have all this information and all these points and all this evidence. And I stop and explain every piece. And it was, it was just awful. It was awful. That's why I never posted. And then finally I was like, look, just just kind of just kind of water ski over the top of it and you know just scratch the surface. Just just take your fingernail and and scratch the tip of the iceberg. You know you really shouldn't water ski where there are icebergs. I don't know where that came from. Anyhow, it hit me when I got these emails that people were having conversations based on this and I thought, "Wait. That's what I wanted all along. What I want is for this to just be a conversation starter." I want this to be a conversation starter and and apparently it's done that for some people it's gotten the conversation going and i realized nothing could make me happier than that being the case so just think of this like you know when you build a fire you you wad up some like newspaper and scraps of things to go underneath the the real wood you want to burn just to kind of get it caught Think of what I'm doing here as just wadded up newspaper. That seems appropriate. It's just, it's just wadded up newspaper tucked underneath the real, the real wood of the fire that's gonna sustain it for a while. And that's what you guys are gonna have, is a bigger conversation. I hope to find a way to allow people to communicate. I'm working on like a website thing where somebody could, we could have comments and we could exchange ideas. That would be really fun. Maybe one day I could do like a live thing where people actually interact with me on on this this venue but here's the thing for now i just love the idea that people are talking because there's nothing better than conversation just think of this as us having a a dinner perhaps even a 5 hour dinner talking about interesting topics together and and what i'm offering here is just a, a starting point and you can you can agree disagree go further go a different direction do something i, I that's just awesome so that's that's think of this just as conversation starter. so with that in mind, t- this week's conversation starter comes from uh, a colleague of mine uh, that I worked with, a um, uh, wonderful person who she and I taught in the in the the English department together. and she asked the question um she said she said, uh, what about a d h d and and sort of uh, does it seem like possibly with the disparity between diagnoses of boys and girls, is there somehow where ADHD, because there's many more boys diagnosed, is it somehow just a a diagnosis of, of being a boy of masculinity? Well, there's a couple things there. One is the masculinity femininity thing. And I can't resist telling you a funny story about this. So when I went to grad school, uh, almost 30 years ago 29 years ago i i was sitting there at orientation and the particular school i went to had us take um had us take some tests and one of those tests was the MMPI and if you don't know what the MMPI is um it's the Minnesota Multiphasic Inventory um and the MMPI was a, a kind of psychological evaluation and i remember the proctor administering the test said to us he was, he was trying to be very like like uh you know diffusing he was trying to like diffuse the bomb he was like no i don't want anyone to worry about this this isn't telling you that you're crazy or anything he said this is just a you know this is just an evaluation and and uh it looks at a number of areas it has questions and it looks at a number of areas and if we sense that there might be something Something different, uh, something out of the normal range, it'll tell us and we could maybe, you know, if we sense that it's an issue, we might want to call you in. You know, it might flag your test. We might call you into the counseling office just to have a conversation, just to go over the results, make sure everybody's okay. And I remember as he said that, I looked at the guy next to me, whom I had never met. We were just both brand new there for the first day at orientation. I looked at him and I went, I'm totally going to get called in. <laughs> he looked at me like, why would you ever say that out loud? What's, Who are you and what's wrong with you? Which could explain a lot. But um, sure enough, I did. I got called in. I got called in a couple weeks later, note in my mailbox, we'd love to see you in the counseling office to discuss the results of your MMPI. And um, the MMPI was, uh, it was, the test was about it was like 475 true false questions, something like that. 400. And, it was almost 500 true false questions. And I remember the some of the some of the questions vividly. Um, I I wrote them down actually afterwards because I thought they were so interesting. One was um, I like to repair door latches. True or false? I like to repair door latches. Another one was uh, I like to paint flowers. True or false? There was also um I like to work on car engines. True or false? Uh, and then I I would love to be a librarian. True or false? There was also this one this wild card um dirt frightens or disgusts me. True or false? I I still don't know quite where that one was going but um the other ones you can kind of see what's coming, right? Like there's there's some some pigeonholing going on. You know, are you a are you a flower painter or a door latch fixer? Well, so I go into the uh, the conversation with the counseling office, and he says, "Yeah, you didn't, you, and mostly you didn't test too far out of the normal range. Couple couple areas he said there were there were just slightly." And he went over him. He was like, you know, like. Do you realize you have a melancholy streak? I was like, "Yep." He said, "Do you realize you, you know, are skeptical of authority?" I was like, "Yep." And uh, and he said, "Well, there this is one other area <clears throat> you were kind of way off the charts." And uh he said he said that was gender identity. <laughs> and I was like, "Okay." He said, "Let me ask you a question." He said, "Did you did you happen to get your bachelor's degree in like um arts the arts in any way and i said well i was in the arts school of arts and humanities i got uh, literary studies i said i also you know took a lot of art classes because i just love the arts and and i like helped put on some plays and things like that he went okay that explains it and and basically so the test he said the test is kind of a stereotypical test like it it's it all right it, it, it trades on stereotypes like it's it's trading on generalities he said the test was sort of a, a stereotype problem when i took it 30 years ago because it was already 20 years old at that point or something like that so he said the problem is is that you know again if you so go back to those questions if you like to fix door latches and work on car engines you're masculine and if you like to paint flowers and be a librarian you're feminine um, I stand by my answers. I, I like, I've painted a lot of flowers actually, and uh, I'd love to be a librarian. And no, I have no interest in fixing a door latch. Um, but I, I feel like that's, I feel like it, it, it raises the issue of, you know, what, what exactly is masculinity and femininity? That's, that's, and and that's of course a giant, you know, minefield right now of discussion. And and I'll suffice it to say that I, I think it's a worthy question we have because I. I don't. I don't think. I, I think the idea that uh, you know to be masculine, you have to fix a door latch uh, or enjoy fixing a door latch, and and to you know to be feminine, you have to like painting flowers. And then if you don't, if you do the opposite, something's off. Like that's just silly. That's just ridiculous. And I I grew up in a household where my parents were like, just be yourself, be who you are. It's all good. Although my dad did say it once to me. He said son i think you're an acquired taste and he he said it lovingly like my dad loved me and i think he even liked me but i also think he saw saw me for who i was he's like you're, you're kind of an acquired taste like not everybody's going to not everybody's going to dig you that's all right um but you know this idea of this idea of masculinity and femininity is fraught but if you ask a, a biological question so if you're assigned male at birth uh, you know statistically speaking though again there are exceptions to this there's going to be more testosterone coming at you in your development stage is that is that leading to the behaviors that we think of as adhd symptoms in children That the this these surges of testosterone that cause a more aggressive behavior, a a more restless behavior. I don't know. Not all the scientists agree on that stuff. But but here's the thing. Now let's talk about ADHD and and education because the interesting thing to me when I think about this is who do you think. Most often are, are the ones responsible, who who are most responsible for, for providing the raw material that leads to ADHD diagnosis? It's teachers, because we're the ones who end up with kids all day long. Parents, you know, this is usually when it manifests, is parents are take their kids in to, to be tested for ADHD because... Something isn't going right at school that's that's generally when this happens. Something isn't going right at school, and by not going right, what I mean is they're they're on some level they're they're not getting the outcome they want, and so we as teachers and all my teacher colleagues would agree we get these these forms to fill out that are these huge. Long questionnaires, kind of like an MMPI, the, these long questionnaires that ask all these questions about the kid's behavior and the kid's sort of demeanor to 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 be able to establish is this kid in fact ADHD? Do, do we need to do something for for him or her? Like, what what do we do here? And so, so here's the here's the funny thing: is stop and think about this. Teachers are are often determinative in this. But it's based against an expectation that the kids' behavior isn't right for a classroom. But what if, I'm just throwing this out here, what if the problem is with the classroom? Now, before you say, yeah, yeah, my kid's teacher stinks, I'm not talking about individual teachers. I know there are bad teachers out there, but my experience was that most of the teachers I worked with were dynamite. They were so good. They worked so hard. They bent over backwards for their students. They, they, were there because they believed in it. I know there are bad teachers, I had some myself, but I worked with a lot of great teachers, so I know that side also exists. There's amazing teachers who work really hard for their students. But what if it's not so much the teacher, but it's the system the teacher's working in? Because here's the thing, the way we do school is very specific. There's a great, you can go find it on YouTube, there's a video from Sir Ken Robinson, the late Sir Ken Robinson, a speech he gave was was actually animated by, like, the Royal Society for the Arts. It, I know it sounds crazy, but it's really good. But he talks about education, and in it he does mention ADHD in this context. But but the, the the idea that he kind of touches on is all of this diagnosis of ADHD comes from the fact that we're looking at kids in a classroom not doing what we want them to do in a classroom. But is it, in fact, that the kid is wrong, or are we doing the classroom wrong? Because the educational system we have is largely based on this batch, sort of batch processing mentality that we got from the factory system of the Industrial Revolution that says let's just move kids through in batches the, the, according to age. But the thing is, that's even a flawed system because if you're 40 talking to a 41-year-old, you don't, you don't look at that and go, oh, well, not, you, that, that's, a, that's a huge gap between us in terms of development. That's, that's that's biologically that's just not how it works because your your frontal lobes are already developed you've you know it's 40 and 41 is not a big difference but six and seven is a big difference ladies and gentlemen let me tell you ask any child development person six and seven can be a huge leap and and so think of our educational system i always felt it because i was a late late summer birthday late august so i was right before the cutoff so when I went to school, I had just turned, like when I went to first grade, I had just turned six years old, just a few days before. But then within a week, some kid had his seventh birthday because he'd turned, you know, after the cutoff by a few days. So, you know, now you're at 365 minus 14, which is 350. That Boy, I hate that I brought up math. 351. So there, the fact that we're 350 days apart in child development between age six and seven or, or or five and six, like these are these are big leaps versus 350 days apart when you're 40 or 41. Those aren't big leaps. So you have these kids and we stick them in a room and we tell the teacher, hey, teach, you need to get this, these 35, you know, they're basically like ferrets, right? You need to get them. Across some finish line of standardization that we've decided on, some people in a room in at the state capitol have said all kids by second grade need to be do, doing X, Y, and Z. And even though you've got a room full of of ferrets gone wild, we need all of them to be able to be in the exact same place in 180 days. Well, that's that's, that's not realistic. And 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 there's too many kids in the classroom, and the expectations are too rigid and too specific, and and but we boy we are going to stick to our plan. And I I wonder again, I wonder if what if the what if the issue? Well, let, think of it this way: Would anybody stop and ask about ADHD, or would they do it nearly as often if school wasn't so prone to making kids bored and restless? And again, I know a lot of good teachers who try to make school really interesting. the My point here is not that we need to make school fun. I, I'm asking about the whole philosophy of what it is we're trying to accomplish with education. and i don't I don't have the answer for what that is. I'm not somehow suggesting that I've got it I've cracked the code and I've got it figured out. But I do think that when when we look at this, we we have a system that's that's based on something fairly old that has a, a fairly rigid expectation of what success looks like and in the meantime that we we've been keeping this same system going for whatever 150 years we also have had such massive changes that things that i used to rely on a teacher or a classroom to get i now have in my pocket on my phone like there there are questions about the same do we need the same skills do we need the same abilities have we adapted our education to match what it is we're doing and again I, I, I I'm not suggesting we throw everything out and just hand kids laptops and say, you know, go to Khan Academy and Wikipedia and good luck. I I'm simply saying when it comes to saying this kid won't settle down, we need to do something about him. Is that the fault of the kid? Especially if it happens to be biologically motivated, is that the fault of the kid or is that the, the fault of saying we think you should be able to sit still for 45 minutes in a row and not do anything? I don't know. I don't know. Again, I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not anti-ADHD or treatment. I have people in my own household who who are are treated for ADHD. I'm simply saying I feel kind of guilty sometimes that in my effort to make sure I've covered my own rear end educationally, of making sure we move people along that sometimes I feel like I haven't addressed the needs of every kid because I'm I'm scared, frankly. Of, of my my the people in charge telling me you didn't get everybody to this point. And you can say, oh, well, I, you know, like I taught at private schools and, you know, people, we don't have standardized tests. Yeah, but you got the AP test. That's a standard. You got the SAT, ACT. Like these are standardized tests. College entrance is in effect a standardized test. Like we we, we have we have so standardized the process that we've put ourselves in a position where we really need everybody to get on the same page. So if Stevie can't sit down, somebody solve stevie he's the problem because by god we're going to stick to our plan anyhow that there's my conversation starter for the day chew on that masculinity masculinity femininity and uh educational systems and adhd how's that thanks aaron for a, a huge giant um hornet's nest of, of topics but I, I I do think there's something interesting that that connects here in terms of our expectations, you know, whether it's our expectations of what it is to be masculine, our ex- expectations of what it is to be educated, our, you know, our expectations of what children are capable of. Think about that. Talk about that. See where you come up with, see what you come up with on that 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 sort of range of topics. But again, I am just the conversation starter. I am not the final word on anything. I'm not an expert. I'm just a guy trying to make sense of the world he lives in and hopefully leave it a better place than he found it. So with that being said, I wish peace and love to everyone.